Well, this is our second international service, and I'm very happy that you're here. And we actually planned on continuing today our series. We started a series last week, which was the first ever Oase Church International Service. We started a series called Better. Not normal, but better. And some of you were here, a lot of you were here, and we've got some new people here today. And, well, that series or that message or message number two will have to wait. We're going to make a pause today. We're going to take a break already from that message because of what I want to talk to you today. I want to speak today about Jesus. I always speak. I love talking about Jesus. You know, that's what I like to talk about. So Jesus is always in my message. But I do want to speak today specifically about racism and social injustice and what Jesus says about that, what he doesn't say about that, and how we, as followers of Christ, should deal with everything that's going on in our world right now. How many of you realized we don't just have a corona crisis? We have crises on many levels all around the world, but the true crisis has never changed. It's the crisis of the heart. The true problem is not color or gender or any problem. The true problem is the condition of man's heart. I want to talk to you about that today. But before we do, I want to remind us of some unshakable truths we talked about last week. You know, this week, many things happened. And next week, many things will happen. I'm sure we are in a world that changes constantly. The only thing constant in our world, as a matter of fact, is change. And it's changing fast. But I want you to realize something. We've talked about some very awesome truths last week from the book of Romans chapter 8, unshakable truths. How many of you believe that those truths are still true today? No matter what happens, no matter what happens, the Bible does not change. No matter what our circumstances might be, God doesn't change. You know, I've been a Christian, a follower of Jesus, for 37 years. So when I was 12 years old, I gave my life, my heart, my everything to Christ, and I invited him to come into my life. So for at least 37 years, I'm a Christian. Before that, I was a good Catholic boy. I was an altar boy, and I think I really believed in Jesus then also. As I remember, now back to those days, I really do believe I was with Jesus even as a little boy. But I remember when I was 12 years old, I decided to follow Jesus. No going back, no turning back, no left or right, just follow Jesus with all my heart since I'm 12 years old. And what I have noticed amongst Christians, amongst followers of Jesus, and if you listen to me often or if you've heard me before, you know I always say this. Our faith should not depend on circumstances. So many Christians have circumstantial faith. When life is good, God is good. When life is not so good, God where are you? Have you disappointed me? But how many of you know God is good no matter what happens? No matter what happens in this world, God is good. No matter if I get a new job or lose my job, God is good. God is good all the time and all the time, God is good. That's what the Bible teaches. So my circumstances don't change God. They don't change who he is. And one of the great truths in our faith is that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Hebrews 13, verse 8, or Malachi 3, 6, it says, I am God, I change not. And James 1, 17 said, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, no shadow of turning. But I want to go back to two passages in Romans 8 before we go on to what I want to speak about today. Romans 8, 28, remember this verse? What does it say? And we... No. Say, we know? We know. Do we know this? What do we know? We know that everything will be good. No, we don't know that. We know that everything will be just fine. No, we don't know that. We know this will all go away. No, we don't know that either. But what do we know? Listen. We know that for those who love God, who's in that category? Who's in the category of a God lover? Who's a God lover? For those who love God, all things. How many things? Even the bad things? Even everything that happens? Even if you lose your business? Even if you lose your health? Even if you lose a friend? Is God always good? Is this always true? All things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. Now, this verse we know, we, we talked about this last week, does not say that everything is good. Obviously, what's happening in the world is not good. This verse doesn't teach us that it's all good or everything will be like we always wish for. But it does say it will work together for good to them that love God. And then the other passage was a few verses down, Romans 8, 37 through 39. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, are you convinced as well? Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe that? That not, nothing and no one can separate us from the love of God. And I'm here to tell you these wonderful facts, these wonderful truths from God's word have not changed in the last seven days. It is the unfailing Word of God, no matter what happens in our world. That's our anchor. Amen? That's our anchor. I want you to realize something. No, more, no matter what happened, no, more, no matter what's happening, no matter what will happen, these things are always true. He is for us who can be against us. All things work together for good to them that love God, and nothing and no one can separate us from the love of God. I wanted to say that because that's very important. Now I want to pose a question. I have a hugely important question for us today, which is, do we understand the times we live in, and do we understand the world we live in? Okay? Very important. Do we understand the times and the world that we live in how many of you know we live in interesting times we live in crazy times do you know that if jesus does not come back before in 100 years they will talk about the coronavirus in 2020 in their history class this has never been not even those people who went through the second world war that are still alive can say that they've experienced anything like it. This is very unique and very one-of-a-kind, and it has um, an impact on our world like nothing else for the next years to come. But do we understand the times and the world we live in? Now let me take you to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And here is a passage of Scripture that Paul the Apostle wrote as his last letter while he was on earth before he got beheaded. 
And he writes these words to his protege, Timothy, and he starts like this. Here is what I want you to know. Now, the word know, we've already heard today. We know this, that all things work together. So here's something else we can know. Is it good to know? Is, is it good that we can know things? We're, who is grateful that we don't know everything? <laughs> It would be catastrophic if we knew everything. We couldn't sleep. We would be worried to death. Hey, there's a reason why Jesus said in Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. Today is enough. Day-by-day living is what we're called to do. We're supposed to plan ahead, but we should not worry ahead. We should know that we can trust Him. Here's what I want you to know. There will be terrible times... In the last days. Did you get that? There will be terrible times in the last days. People will love themselves. This is a very long list. And it has quite a few items on it. So I want you to pay real close attention to to them. We can't talk about all of them today. But we will talk about a few of them today. But it starts, people will love themselves. They will love money. Or things. They will brag and be proud. They will tear others down. They will not obey their parents, children. They won't be thankful or holy. They won't love others. They won't forgive others. They will tell lies about people. They will be out of control. They'll be wild. They will hate what is good. They will turn against their friends. They will act without thinking. They will think they are better than others. Hello. Better than others. They will love what pleases them instead of loving God. They will act as if they were serving God. But what they do will show that they have turned their backs on God's power. Now, let me ask you, does this describe in any way, shape, form, or fashion our world today? Did, uh, did Paul the Apostle in the 60s, not last century, <laughs> in the 60s of the first century, did he nail it or not? Now, you might say, okay, that's always been the case. I agree. Because the human heart has always been the problem. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to make us new creations. He came to change our hearts inside out it's always been a problem the world was a disaster in paul's days the 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 world has always gone through times of great deception of great disasters of great difficulties of great denial people denying their faith and great darkness but i believe with all my heart we live in times where this is increasing rapidly, right? Now, let's let's read what Jesus said in Matthew 24, shortly before he was crucified. It says here in verse 3 of Matthew 24, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be? I love this. They came to him privately. You know, how many of you know, we don't want to ask stupid questions in public. (laughs) What what will they think if I don't know? I have that happen to me sometimes. Someone comes to me that always seems to have it together and always seems to have an answer for everything, always seems to know everything. Hey, pastor, what does that really mean? I don't know. And I say, you know what? I don't know either. (laughs) You know, can we be that honest? It's like, we don't know everything, right? But in, in public, we have to act like we are the answer, man. We, have, we know everything. But they came and spoke to him privately. Tell us, Jesus, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age? Well, is he coming again? Are you banking on that? He's coming again. Will that be an end of that age that we have right now? Yes, there will be. It says it right here. And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray or no one deceive you. 
Do you know that we live in a great age of deception? People are so smart and so wise in their own eyes, but they're so ignorant of truth. And they're so ignorant of God and what really matters in this life and for the life to come. Now, the, the following verses, I'm not going to give them to you because that's a long list again about the end of the times. And that's not my main message today. I want to speak directly to the situation in the world today. But really quickly, Jesus mentions five things. Actually, more things, but five things I want to talk about. He says, deception will increase. It should not surprise us that people have no clue about God. They're deceived. Now, in the 80s, when I was a boy, I was a teenager in the 80s, and even before then, I was a, an altar boy. I was on a soccer team. And half my soccer team were altar boys. I come from the country, from, from uh, you know, a village. And not, not from the big urban city, from the, a small village in the country of Austria. Beautiful. And it was totally normal to speak with friends, even though we were just Catholic boys. We knew who Jesus was. We knew simple things about the Bible, even as Catholic boys. Hey, but talk to people on the, talk to young people today, even older people, but talk to people today about Jesus and God. Man, you can get all kinds of crazy answers, right? I mean, it's like, like what is this? As a little boy, I knew at least who Jesus was. And I knew what he did. I may not have saving knowledge yet, but I knew the basics of the gospel, right? Ask 10 people in Vienna today, tell me the gospel. You're going to get 10 crazy answers probably, right? People are so deceived. Have you ever heard this new religion about the universe? Oh, I believe in the universe. That I believe in the energy. Have you heard that? Let me say something very clear. Let me say something very, very clear right now. Atheism is not the greatest threat to Christianity anymore. There's hardly any atheists, really. The greatest threat to Christianity in the time we live in is the New Age movement. Esoteric, universe, energy, karma. That's the biggest danger and biggest threat to Christianity. In verse 5, Paul says, they will act as if they know God, but have no idea. See, it sounds good. We're so kind, and we're so nice, and we're so worried about the universe, and we're so worried about everything, but their heart is sick, right? So I used to believe, you know, you ask somebody, do you believe in God? Yes, okay, he's good. Nowadays, if you ask somebody, do you believe in God? And they say yes, you don't know what they believe. They could believe one of hundreds of things, right? It's so crazy. So deception will increase. Disasters will increase. Now, all this is from Matthew 24. Difficulties will increase. Denial will increase. Those who desert their faith. Darkness will increase. Now, let me ask you this. What is darkness? It's the opposite of light, right? But what is darkness in this age? To me, it's kind of like this coldness we experience. It's a dark world. It's a dark world. If you watch the news this week, not only the thing about racism, yesterday or the day before, they discovered a whole circle of men doing Child pornography, filming acts, horrible acts of child molestation. Now this is, I have no words for that. It makes me angry. It makes me sick and angry. And if that doesn't make you angry, you need to look if you have the heart of Jesus. Do you know that Jesus was angry? Now, even the policeman, the policeman that was talking about this case was totally shook up. 
an older police guy reporting what they have found with these children, what's being done to these children. He was shook up. We live in sick times, man. But you know what, what, what does the new movement, the new thought movement teach us? Believe in the good in people. I hope you don't believe in the good in me. I hope you'll believe in Jesus in me. My heart was sick. Jesus saved me. We are dirty, rotten sinner, sinners in need of a living, merciful God, a Savior. So, oh, the, the heart, I believe in the best in you. Yeah. There's good things in all of us, but without Christ, our heart is sick and dirty. And we still fight the flesh anyway. But inside we have the love of God if we follow Christ. In verse 14, Jesus goes on to say, And this gospel, after he says all these things, after he talks about deception and disasters and difficulties and all these things we just mentioned, and this gospel of the kingdom. Did you notice? This gospel. Not any gospel. Not any good news. This good news of the kingdom of God will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then, and then the end will come. Now listen to me. Paul talks about the end. Jesus talks about the end. Is that true? Is Christ coming back? Is the end approaching? Yes. Now let me prove it to you. Now, Jesus said it. Paul said it. The New Testament has 27 books. 27 books. 23 of those books make reference to the end of times or the second coming of Christ. 23 of 27 New Testament books make mention of the coming of Jesus or the end of the age. And one out of 30 verses total, one out of every 30 verses, talks about in some way, or directly or indirectly, about the end of times. So this is real. And we must prepare and know how to live. Now I'm going to be very honest with you this morning, or this afternoon. It was hard for me to study and prepare in the last few days. I've really had a heavy heart. I really have. I'm concerned. And I'm concerned also about how Christians deal with all of this. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. Now, salt is not passive, neither is light. What's the key when we use salt? Use the right salt, obviously. <laughs> but we have, we are the salt of the earth. So Jesus is our salt and he is the light. But what's the key when we use salt? The doses. How much? Too little and the soup doesn't taste good. And too much and you can't eat, eat it either, right? It, the doses. The amount of salt. So we can't just pour salt on people. We, they won't taste it. They won't take it. They won't want it, right? You have to be wise. You have to use the right amount of salt. What about light? Is light good? Light is really good. Sometimes this light is a little too much for me on the stage. It certainly makes me sweat a lot. But I can bear it. But light can be pleasing, right? But light can also be irritating. It depends on how much I use. If I go to Martin and say, look, you need Jesus. And I, I go with my flashlight into his eyes. Will he like that? No, he'll say, hey, light is good, but that's too much. That is too close. That is the wrong application of a good thing. So as Christians, we need to learn to use salt in the right way and also light. The light in the right amount can be very attractive, 
The light too much can irritate. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is so important when you talk to people. And I used to believe being light for Jesus means you, you tell somebody a Bible verse and tell them, you know, Jesus loves you. That's good. But that's not what being light means, not totally. See, how many of you believe we live in a dark world that needs answers? So we bring the light. We bring the answers. We bring knowledge. We bring wisdom into a confused and dark world. So being light also means that we are well informed, that we are not ignorant. An ignorant Christian is, 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 is not going to really be light in the world. Well, why do you believe what you believe? It, well, the Bible tells me so. We, you and I know that the Bible is the Word of God, right? But if I go to somebody who does not know Christ, and I say, why do you believe that? Yeah, but the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bi nice, good for you, he will say, but what's the difference to the Quran and the, the, the Hindu books? And That's what they're going to say, right? And you know what's so exciting? That history proves the Bible. See, I believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, before I go on, I believe this Bible, the 66 books, 39 in the old, 27 in the new, is the unfailing word of God. I believe that with all my heart, just so you know where I'm at. But should I find something in there that's not true, it would not shake my faith. Because my faith hinges on an event that happened 2,000 years ago. And that event is the resurrection of Christ. And e even if I see something in the Bible that I think is a contradiction, it would not shake my faith at all because I know a historic event took place. A dead man came back to life. And that's what my faith rests upon. So let us be very, very much light by being wise and bringing the right doses of salt and light to this world. Uh, I was reading a atheist this week, believe it or not. There's an atheist from England. His name is Tom Holland. And he did an interview with N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright is a Bible scholar, one of England's greatest Bible scholars. You should read him. The guy is phenomenal. He's written books about Jesus this thick about the resurrection, proofs of the resurrection and stuff. And he has a discussion with Tom Holland, which is an atheist, also a very good writer. And they talk about Christianity. And here's, here's what's so exciting. Since four years, since 2016, this Tom Holland is starting to do interviews with Christian guys. He's still not a believer. But he said he studied history. Are you listening to me? The atheist says he studied history. And he knows that our, our, the, the good values in our society come from Christianity. It all comes from Christianity. It doesn't come from another religion. Christianity made women equal to men. Do you know that? Study the New Testament. Jesus came into a time where women were nothing. What did Jesus do? He gave value and dignity to women. It's Christianity that stopped slavery. Read, read the book. Look what Paul did by writing to Philemon. Do you know the book of Philemon? Paul fought for a slave. Now, Onesimus was a, was a slave, and he stole something and ran away. And he was put in jail. And guess who he meets in jail? Paul. Paul was in jail for something different. <laughs> but Onesimus gets put in jail, and in jail, what does Paul do to Onesimus in jail? He brings him to Jesus, right? I mean, what else should Paul do? So Onesimus, the runaway slave, gives his life to Christ under the ministry of Paul and listens to his story, what happened to him. 
how he cheated his master and ran away, and now he's in jail. And Paul writes a letter to his master Philemon and says, I know he ran away. I know he was bad, but, say but, he's now a brother. He's now a brother. He came to know Jesus. Philemon Onesimus, your runaway slave, is now mine and your brother. It's Christianity that brought equality to women and men. It is Christianity that stopped slavery. It is Christianity that gave dignity and value to all people. And that is not from a Christian guy. An atheist guy says that, who is getting closer and closer. He's getting closer and closer to these other Christian guys. And we can all pray for Tom Holland, that God would open his eyes, not only for the principles, but for the person of Jesus. Do you know that's very big? You have a lot of people who like principles. And they read the Bible for principles. Does the Bible have good principles? Full of it. But you know, there's people who just cherry pick. I like this principle. But God wants you to know the person of Christ. That will make all the difference. So we need an awareness of the times. We need real love, real compassion, empathy, real answers, real wisdom. We need God. We need the one true and living God. We need Jesus Christ and his gospel. You say, why? Thank you for the question. Look at Jeremiah 17.9, what it says here. This is incredible what it says here. Now, this is from the Old Testament, and this reveals the problem of it all. The heart is deceitful above all things. How's that for an encouraging verse this morning or this afternoon? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Is that true? Very true. Let's not forget, if we don't know Christ, our heart is desperately sick. And that's the root problem. A riot will not change anything. Demonstrating will not change anything. Hating upon each other will not change anything. But when God changes people's hearts, it changes everything. And only the gospel can do that. That cannot be done by self-help or personal development. That can only be done through Jesus Christ. He alone can change a heart. Do you know the Christian message? Do you know the gospel? Before, listen to me very closely. Before there's good news, there's real bad news. The bad news is you are a dirty, rotten sinner. The bad news is you are sick. The bad news is you are separated from God on the way to destruction, right? That's the bad news. But how many of you know that makes the good news that much better? You have to understand something. The Bible has both sides. Uh, the gospel has both sides. The bad news is we are separated Sinners from God. The good news is the anger of God was placed on Jesus on the cross. And he said, it is finished. And whosoever calls upon him shall be saved. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new man, a new creation. All things are passed away. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Now, for me, this makes very much sense because I know that sometimes in my flesh I can be, I can act wrong. Can you act wrong sometimes? I can treat people wrong sometimes. Hey, I've treated people wrong as a Christian. When my, when my head comes into play and my flesh comes into play, when my ego comes into play, that's my old yucky self. Say yucky. Yucky, yucky, yucky self. But I'm a new, brand new person. 
in Jesus. My spirit is new. My heart is new. Now, let me tell you a funny story. It's a true story. Uh, this one man read in 1 John chapter 4, it says, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. It actually says that in the first book of John chapter 4. You hate your brother, you are a murderer. What, what that's basically saying is hating somebody is like killing someone. And it's sin. It's wrong. You hate somebody, you are a murderer. And this guy in a church, Christian guy, goes to his pastor completely <laughs> disturbed, saying, Pastor, I need help. I just read in the Bible, if I hate my brother, I'm a murderer. He said, I don't hate my brother, but I do hate my mother-in-law. <laughs> I don't hate my brother, but I do hate my mother-in-law. And the preacher says, you're going to hell. <laughs> and then he said, stop, you're not going to hell. Let me explain what's going on. In Romans 5, 5, it says, the love of God is sh shed abroad in our hearts. When Jesus comes, what happens with our hearts? The love of Christ comes into our hearts. Not into our heads, not into our flesh, into our hearts. And the pastor said to him, now do this. Think about Jesus. Think about how, how much you love Jesus. And say, I hate my mother-in-law. So he thinks about Jesus. He thinks about what Jesus has done for him. And he says, I hate my and he couldn't say it. He actually could not say what he's about to say. And the pastor, very wise pastor, said, see, you don't hate your mother-in-law. In the flesh, in your head, in your emotions, yeah, you don't like her that much. <laughs> but Jesus in you loves your mother-in-law. So as Christians, we don't live by the flesh. We live by the Spirit. So, do I sometimes have thought, I mean, I've hated church members before. I hate that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But then I, I get on my knees and I say, Jesus, I hate him. I said, no, you don't. Get over it. You understand? That's the love of God in our heart. Okay? So, let me read Galatians 3. There is no Jew or Greek. There's no slave or free person. There's no male or female because you belong to Christ Jesus. You are all one. So Paul spoke for equality for all people. Now, Christianity gave value to women. And Christianity gave value to all races and all colors. Now, sometimes I meet a person that says, oh, I'm colorblind. I don't see color. I'm not colorblind. Thank God I'm not colorblind. Are you colorblind? I don't think so. Is God colorblind? I don't think so. How about God loves all colors? I don't have to be colorblind. God is not colorblind. Well, he's black. She's black. He's brown. Yes, he's wonderfully black. And he is an imager of God. Amen? Amen? He's an imager of God. Well, he's an Arab. Yeah, he's an Arab. But he's an imager. Not, not but. And he's an imager of God. He's a Muslim. Yes, he's a Muslim. And he's an imager of God. He's created in the image of God. Jesus was a Jew, wasn't he? Paul was a Jew. The Jew, David, his ancestor, penned the following words in Psalm 139. How you made me is amazing and wonderful. I praise you for that. What you have done is wonderful. I know that very well. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. This, friends, is true for every human being. That does not mean that everything they think is right 
or do is right or believe is right. But two things are definitely true. God loves them and they're made in his image. And if we want to bring them the truth, we have to bring it with love and light and salt. For me, this is very normal, actually. As long as I remember, my first friend on my soccer team when I was a boy in the late 70s, now this is a long time ago, over 40 years ago, long time ago, right? I was like playing soccer, eight, nine years old. And that was a time, many of you, that you don't, that there was no uh, people from other countries in Austria, not many at least. I mean, heart, I mean, I went to school in my class, there was one guy from Yugoslavia. Back then it was Yugoslavia. And then I was in another class, there was one guy who was from Turkey. Now that was back then. And my best friend on the soccer team was a guy named Christian Mesic. Not Mesic, but <laughs> not like the message, but M-E-S-I-C. Message. He was from Yugoslavia. He was my best friend. I've never had. As, as I, I, I've not treated people right, for sure. I've done wrong things, for sure. But I've always known God loves all people. I'm grateful for that. Yeah? And we have so wonderful, beautiful, colored people in the church. 22 languages, if, if all of them were here. 22 languages spoken at Oasa Church. Many different countries. So many different languages. I love it. I really do. What is the heart of God? The heart of God is that we build bridges, put oneself in other people's shoes, how they think, how they feel, that we speak the truth and bring love. In John 1.14 it says, The Word became a human being. He made His home with us. We have seen His glory. It is the glory of the one and only Son. He came from the Father. Now listen. And He was full. Was He full or what? How many of you believe Jesus was full? What was He full of? Grace and truth. Love and truth. Do we need both? We need both. What happens if we think only love, only love without truth? Well, that won't work. What about truth without love? Oh, that makes you like a hammer. Unbearable. We need both. And it's active. Being salt is active. Salt is active. Light is active. Not passive. And there are sins we have to quit, all of us. We have to quit the sin of apathy. We have to quit the sin of silence. We have to quit the sin of indifference. We have to quit the sin of hypocrisy. Oh, I'm nice. Oh, the new word, kindness. Yeah, but kindness without truth and real love does not work. It's fake, right? So, Mother Teresa said, the opposite of hate, uh, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference, looking away. So what is the solution to our problems? Our racial problems, our social injustice problems, what is the solution? Number one, realizing that God loves everybody the same. Every human being is valuable and wonderfully made in God's eyes. If somebody breaks the law, it needs to have a penalty for what they did. For, listen to me. For the character of their content, not the color of their skin. Or where they came from. It's the character, the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Or where they come from. Not even if you're a, if you, if you are a Christian and act wrong. Consequences. You need to maybe go to jail. Even if you're a believer. And if you're an atheist and you do right, you're okay. It doesn't save you 
from eternal punishment, but we need laws and we need this system. But here's, here's what we need to understand. What is the solution? This cannot be solved or healed on a legislative level. Laws don't change hearts. You can put somebody in jail over and over again. Will the heart of that person change? Probably not. I know people who changed in prison. I do. I know several people who became true followers of Christ in prison. We actually have a prison ministry. You can go on Facebook. It's called Gesprengte Ketten, Broken Chains. We have it. Started from this church. It's a wonderful ministry. And we, we hold Bible studies in there. But the heart is not changed in prison. The heart is changed by Jesus Christ. Laws don't change hearts. The gospel changes hearts. The love of God changes hearts. Have you ever read that verse in 1 John 4, 19? We love God because he first loved us. Think about that. Why do you love God? Because he, fir he first loved you. See, the more Christy loves me, the more I love her back. The more I love Christy, the more she loves me back. The more I realize how God loves me, the more I love him back. One guy said to me, Pastor, I need to love God more. I said, no, you don't. You need to understand how much he loves you. And when you understand how much he loves you, you will love him back more than ever. Understand? Yes? So true. So, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And the gospel says, anyone who believes in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Romans 5, and hope will never let us down. God has poured his love into our hearts. He did it through the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. At just the right time, Christ died for ungodly people. He died for us when we had no power of our own. It is unusual for anyone to die for a godly person. Maybe someone would be willing to die for a good person. But here is how God has shown his love for us. While we were still sinners, his enemies, Christ died for us. That sounds so simple. But I pose to you today that's the only solution. It's not going to get better. People rioting, demonstrating, shooting back, hating back. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. We should not be bystanders and watch. We should stand up for what is right. I want to be part of the solution. One time I was in the subway in Vienna, the U-Bahn. I ride it every once in a while. U-Bahn. My American friend says U-Bahn. And there was a guy in that subway who was not leaving this woman. He was, was like harassing a woman, a strange woman. Everybody was to themselves. Everybody looked away. I wouldn't even say watch. They looked away. I watched it for a few seconds, and I realized it's just getting worse. My friends, I'm, I'm no saint. Well, in Jesus, I'm a saint, but I'm, you know, you know what I mean? I'm no saint, but I got in the middle of that. I did. I got involved. I told him to stop it. He didn't like that. And he started harassing me. I said, you stop that. You understand what I'm saying? What, just being indifferent and watching what's going on is wrong. We have to stand up for what's right. We have to stand up for injustice. We do. 
Well, we do it with love and with truth. But we are no weak sticks. I'm not a weak stick, are you? No. We're strong. We stand up. Hey, you mess with a woman, you're going you're gonna to feel me. You mess with a child, you're going to feel me even more. You mess with people of other races and say they're less, you're going to hear me. But at the same time, I know the only solution is to change people's hearts. The only solution. We have to understand that. They need the gospel of Christ. Amen? Did you receive it? Is that, is that the truth? Yeah. I didn't speak much about, you know, the, everybody's having a conversation about races. I tried to get it as much as I think is necessary. We should focus on loving people and bringing them the gospel. Share the good news. And let people know I am part of the solution. I'm not going to look away. I'm going to help the ones who are weaker. And wherever I can, I will get involved. That's what we should do. That's what Jesus demands. That's love. Love and grace. Love and truth. That's what we need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're in awe of your mercy. We're in awe of your grace. We're in awe of your love. Jesus, you gave your life for us. You did, not lo- you did not look away. You were not indifferent towards us. You were not apathetic towards us. You got involved in our problem. The good news is that everyone who believes on the name of Jesus Christ is a brand new man. The old is washed away. The old is gone. We're grateful for that, Jesus. You're wonderful. Nobody can change a heart. No religion can change a heart. No law, no law can change a heart. No riot, no demonstration. No earthly effort can change a heart. But you can. You can. And you do. Everyone that calls upon your name. We're thankful and grateful for that. We love you, Jesus. Just real quick, if you're watching or happen to be here and you don't have a personal relationship to Jesus Christ, let's make it very simple. Say these words with me. Dear God, I come to you. I'm a sinner. My heart is sick, dark. I need you, Jesus, to be my Savior. My sins are too many to count, and I cannot change by myself. Change me. Save me. Help me. My life is now yours. I receive, your, I receive your life, and I give you mine. In Jesus' name. Before we go home today, let's pray as believers. Let's pray as Christians together. If we didn't have the social distancing, I'd have you come closer, but stay where you are. I really would love to gather you right now and pray together with us, with all of us. But let's stand up. Let's pray. Let's everybody make this personal for them. I mean, you heard the message, you heard the word today. I'm sure it's challenging for all of us to love everyone, to respect everyone, to see every human being as an imager of God, the image of God. 
to rejoice in the in the colorfulness in the in the in the differences uh, Joseph in the Old Testament his dad gave him a coat of many colors and Joseph is a type of Jesus in the Old Testament and he received a coat of many colors and then that coat was dipped in blood remember that and he was sold as a slave but God raised him up and became the deliverer of the people it's a picture of Jesus the coat of many colors the blood that was shed for us for all of us let's pray God we thank you we thank you so much that you you are a good God you are a forgiving God you're a loving God you have a plan for the for your people we ask you to forgive us forgive me forgive me Jesus for some of my apathy some of my silence some of my hypocrisy acting nice but not really helping where the need is really the greatest help me forgive me cleanse me of those sins of apathy silence indifference and hypocrisy help me not just to say I love all people help me to do it and live it help me to be true light and true salt in a dark world in a cold world God use me and everyone else here and online as an instrument of your mercy and your love and your grace and your truth help us to be contrib contributors to the solution by spreading the gospel of your love and your mercy and also doing acts of service and kindness and true kindness and true love for the people forgive us help this church help us as, as we are now starting to beginning to gather back together help us to become an army of Jesus followers in love with Jesus making a true difference in this world God let it let it not I don't want it to be just words God I see it too many words in my life I see it thanks for telling me thank you I need to be part of the solution more than I have forgive us God changes because we love you because you first loved us we pray for all the people hurting we pray for all the people suffering we pray for the children and women that are suffering being misused and mishandled we pray for the the people of all the races and all the cultures that feel like they're being and there are actually being they really are being treated unjustly God we won't let that go on we will at least do what we can do because we value every person that you've given life to You love our enemies because you love all of us and you said love your enemies because you love our enemies that's tough help us Jesus
Thank you. Let's praise him. We praise you, Jesus, with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. God is so good. It's time for change. Begins with us. Begins in our hearts. Are we truly people of love? Really, I'm serious. I'm, I'm, are we truly people of love? Are we truly people of help, generosity, bringing people together, not separating? As a pastor, I'm always dealing with this. You know, I think I'm preaching the truth, and then I try to preach the truth, obviously. But then you... judge others we all do it right thinking we're somewhat better now if there's wrong wrong has to have consequences but like I said not based upon the color of skin or age or anything else but based upon the content of your character that's it thank you Jesus Amen. Do you love Jesus? I love him so much. God is good. Hallelujah.